0: Bloody awesome. Bloody awesome. Bloody awesome. Bloody, awesome. Bloody, awesome. Bloody, awesome. Bloody, awesome. Bloody awesome. Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke from BurkeReviews.com and joining me from across the pond, the Kingsman to my Statesman, Matt Hudson from what I watch tonight.co.uk. How's it going, Matt?
1: Hey, man, I'm doing really well, mate. I've got a I've got a Starbucks double shot espresso in a can. It's cold. I'm looking forward to jumping into that. And every time I hear Starbucks, it always reminds me of Starbucks. Uh, JP and his coffee addiction. But
0: yeah, man, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. I have a large uh, Dunkin' Donuts cold brew that mm. I pick up on my way home from uh, taking my daughter up from work. Um, Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, I did not get a donut. Just got the cold brew. Um, I'm on a cold brew kick uh, lately. Um, my favorite is at Starbucks right now. They have a uh, uh, like a dark cocoa almond milk foam cold brew.
1: And God, it that is, sounds
0: good. It's so good, dude. It's only 50 calories, um, which is why I've been allowing myself to have it uh, probably too many times this week. But um, it is it is my current obsession from Starbucks. Uh, we are not sponsored by Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts, but if you either are interested... Please. Um it's Dunkin I, donuts
1: please. I'm on I, a health kick. I'm ca- counting my calories as of yesterday and I've been doing really well actually. Oh, but nice. Dunkin donuts, you know, if if you fancy it, we are available.
0: Right. Um now I also have been counting my calories, but uh if you're new to the show, uh Matt and I like to uh we, this is our new format. We're reviewing one movie mm-hmm. a week and then we have some other things we talk about at the end of the episode. Um this week uh you might be aware that theaters are still closed because of some kind of virus that some, some leaders of certain countries think is not real, but um, because of that theaters are still not open. And so we've been uh, looking for different ways of selecting our movies. Usually we we do the big releases of the week or of the month, um, but there aren't a lot of big releases right Mm -hmm. now. So we're looking for uh, some alternatives. And this week we're doing a very small independent film that's going to be out Uh, the day after you can listen to this. So if you listen to this on Thursday, uh, you haven't had a chance to hear it or to see it yet, but the, uh, the movie will come out on Friday, uh, July 10th on Amazon prime. Um, And the movie's called ghost. It is not Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, Whoopi Goldberg Ghost. No, no, that's old movie. This is brand new 2020 uh, release ghost. Um, We're going to be giving our spoiler free review of that film momentarily. Um, And I just want you to, uh, we're looking for all you know, things to watch. Um, we do have some big Netflix releases and stuff coming up in the future, but this week was kind of a, a, a slow week for releases. So we were looking for something interesting. We thought, why not do a small independent film that soon everyone in the world will have access to watch. If you have an Amazon prime subscription, of course, but it seems like given how much money Jeff Bezos has, most of us appear to have Amazon prime, right? So.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I, I have Amazon prime and I, I used to think oh, I'll get it just for the free delivery. Uh, but now I very rarely use the delivery, and I actually all about the all about watching stuff or at least films. And yeah, I think um, like JB just said, it's it's good to shine a light on things that maybe aren't the biggest in the world. That includes the streaming films as well. Uh, and something like Ghost, you know, for uh, for better whether we like the film or whether we don't like the film, we'll be honest. But it's good to shine a light and you know ma- let people know that these films exist because otherwise. If we hadn't have, um, heard from the director, which I know Jamie's going to mention, then I would never, ever have heard of Ghost, and probably would never have thought to look at it because it possibly wouldn't even have shown up on my Amazon Prime. So, the idea of shining a light on both up and coming filmmakers or the most established in the world—that's uh, what the show's all about. So, um, yeah, we thought we'd dip into some Ghost.
0: Right. So, Ghost details. Um, we have uh, the director and writer Anthony Z. James. Um, this is an adaptation of a short film he did um, that, uh, again, it's called Ghost, but the short film was called um, day, One. day One. And uh, that name of the short actually, I think, gives some context to the plot of both the short and the feature. Um, mm. It's a cast of uh, unknowns from what I can see on IMDb, but Anthony Mark Streeter, Nathan Hamilton, Russell Barnett, and Emmy uh, Um The synopsis, On the First Day of Freedom a grizzled ex-con must reconnect with his troubled son before his violent past catches up with them. Um, and again, this is going to be available on Amazon Prime. I don't know if it's going to be on any other platforms, but I, I do know it will be on prime. So, um, I guess I'll start and, uh, give my thoughts on the film. Um, I've got a bunch of notes. Uh, so it's, it's kind of sold as a crime drama and (laughs) it's, it's light on the crime. Um, I think right away uh, there's a lot of the film that is meandering. Um, there's a lot of, uh, I wrote down, I think there was 16 minutes in the f- film before there's even a spoken word, which could be because of budget. Um, if you don't know this about the fil- making movies, but sound is uh, important. And if you don't have a way of capturing really good sound, it's often better to not have any character speak. It's, yep. It, you know, you can show a lot. Um, Unfortunately, I don't feel like a lot is shown. We we see characters walking, and I'm not familiar. Uh, this is a British film, um, so I, Matt, have you ever been to any of the locations that are in the movie?
1: Um, it's funny because I I, I emailed a director, as you know, um, Anthony, to ask you know where was this shot because I noticed that one of the in one of the underpasses it had uh, Park Royal, which is a, a part of Greater London. And I was like, oh, I've driven through Park Royal um, and it's not a million miles away from where my grandparents uh, used to live before they passed away. Um, so I'm not entirely um, clued up on, a, on the that area, but I have driven there. So I live in Essex and when I go home to Woking, sometimes if I, I have to bypass the freeway or the motorway over here. And it takes me through places like Edmonton, Tottenham, Park Royal. So I'm kind of familiar with that. But there's places like Kensal, which is an up-and-coming part of London. But we go to Docklands, which isn't that far from where I live. It's where the O2 Arena is. And Chinatown, which, funny enough, I was at. They actually, they oh. the, the, the one of the locations they went past, They the guy walked past. I was like, I was there. It's literally right there just before uh, the pandemic struck, which was a weird coincidence. And I was only there because I got lost. I was like, well, how the hell did I end up in Chinatown? And I was on the, one of the corners. And... Um, so that, that struck me I was like, oh, cool. I've been there, but um, it, this isn't the touristy side of London, is it? it? This is this is like Greater London, like the outskirts of London. So this isn't Central London or the West End. This is yeah, this is like the grittier side.
0: Yeah, and and so there's nothing. There's no like uh, landmarks or anything that we're like, oh, look. Clearly, this is why we're seeing all this because we're watching him explore the city. There's nothing really contextual about the places he's going. Um, a lot of it just looks like, hey, this will be a cool tracking shot. And the, the cinematography is not bad at the beginning. I think the, uh, the tracking is done nice and smooth. It's, it's a nice Steadicam shot. Um, there's some interesting uh, framing. Like, they, he walks through a graveyard at one point. But the, when I was watching, I was like, is he walking through that just because of the cool, like, way it looks on camera? Or is there a point? And sure enough, there was no point. It was just because it looks cool on camera. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's a lot of the tracking shots. There's no purpose. They just look cool and they don't do anything to the narrative um especially because i'm assuming this is probably budget reasons but our main character whose name is tony who is played um by uh anthony mark streeter who does i think an admirable job in the role Mm -hmm. i don't think he's asked to do a whole lot um you know he doesn't have a lot of dialogue uh it's basically look look brooding a little menacing um but also like that the the quiet guy who doesn't seem very threatening, but you'll be surprised how threatening they can be. Um, like that's the vibe he gives off. And that's the vibe I think the character is going for. So I think in that way, good job. Um, but he's being, this is the opening scene. So this is not a spoiler. This is the premise. He's been let out of jail. Mm-hmm. But I had no way of knowing that from context. Like there is a, you hear the sound of a, I think like the cell closing kind of thing there's like a few little sound cues before that we see him and then we see him lighting a cigarette and there's no clear indication of what the context is of that. It is revealed more through the film, but not, not in a way that I think is, is purposeful or functional. I think that's kind of the, the essence of the issues with the story in this film is that nothing feels like there's any real stakes until very, very late. Like, we don't do spoilers because this one, like you haven't even had a chance to see this movie. If you're listening to this, the day we, we released the episode. So I don't want to spoil something you haven't seen yet. Um, but we don't do spoilers anyways, because these are all new films. But to, to me, like most of this film is in the last 20 minutes. And it's not like there's a good buildup to that last 20 minutes. Like it is literally like there's stuff, there's scenes, they feel disconnected at times. Um, there's actually a lot of f- scenes that feel very, very disconnected or jarring when we go to them. And at the end, I think some of that makes a little bit of sense, but not in a way it's like a reveal or a twist. It's just finally like, oh, okay, I get now why these things were there, but there's no real connective tissue to make that all feel like a rewarding e- viewing experience, and that's mm-hmm. disappointing. Um, to me, when I saw this, I thought this feels like a short film that was stretched into a feature film with no real thought put behind that. And that's ultimately what I've concluded. Um, When I found out that there was a short and I asked to watch the short and I, I liked the short a little more than the feature. um, I was expecting the short to just be one scene from this film. And it's not, it is a truncated version of this film. It is scaled way down. And I think it works much better at the story he's looking to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a connection to father and son in this movie. Uh, Connor Ward plays Tony's son. I'm sorry. Connor Ward is Tony's son played by Nathan Hamilton. Um, the, again, you have to, it's pretty obvious. That's what's going on, but it also like, it takes a while before that ever becomes like a relevant storytelling c- component. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, it feels like there's a lot of ideas that don't get really explored or fleshed out in any meaningful or, rewarding way throughout the course of the film um there's there's the cinematography's mostly solid i think the edit the editing feels very much like someone right out of film school it's very choppy uh like the dialogue we snap back and forth between the person who's speaking as soon as that person's done speaking we cut to the other person mm-hmm. who's just started speaking and back and forth not there's very little j or l cuts um i I should be noted listener i am a film teacher at the high school level i am by no means anything to be impressed by but i watch students try to make film and tell story and so this felt like analyzing a first feature film which this is a first feature film Mm -hmm. um and that should be noted but i i noticed a lot of little issues that i notice in my students films and um there's also like things that are way better than anything I've seen in my student films, the cinematography being one of them right away. I'm like, wow, the cinematography here is solid. I don't know what kind of equipment they had access to, but it, it, there's some really good looking shots in this movie. Some of it feels very like that indie stylized kind of like, like the low angle looking up at people or Mm -hmm. the guerrilla filmmaking style, which is attributed in, in the, the press notes that that's what they were going for. Um, you know where you're like are they allowed to be filming where they're filming maybe not because the way he's shooting it (laughs) so you i can respect those limits one of my favorite movies um is once right the musical once by john carney and that's super gorilla all filmed illegally with no permits in ireland and uh because of it there's bad lighting the cinematography's got you know really shaky cam some of the audio is not great um but there's just something um charming about that movie and uh, its cast and its story that for me just clicks that's nothing here pulled me in or or made me really connect Uh, i i see this father-son dynamic that clearly wants to be explored feeling underbaked and it's disappointing in some ways but i do see potential i see that there's there's you know he has a voice trying to come through but it it seems like he didn't quite know what to say Mm -hmm. And I think that could be developed. It can it can become something more, um, but it, it just for me missed a lot of the marks of something that I would call um, uh, an enjoyable film experience. But what about you?
1: Um, I thought the film was okay. Do you know what I mean? I thought I thought it was fine. Uh, I I don't think it wasn't. It was certainly wasn't a worst independent film or film I've seen this year. Yeah. But um, no, I no, agree to the, no, no, I agree to the point of what you're saying though is that. For a lot of the film, for potentially about 45 minutes, I was thinking, well, what's going, what, what, where, where are we going with this? You know what I mean? What's going on? There was a lot of nothing going on to the point yeah. where I was kind of wondering, what's the resolution going to be? So how are we going to... We, we're, we're halfway through now, like over halfway through, and nothing's really moved on with the characters particularly. And I'm not sure what this is leading to. Do you know what I mean? And I, I, I was really quite worried that we would, I was going to get a really open, a cold ending, but then lots of things seemed to happen and then be over. Like, um, there's a scene with Connor who goes to a recording studio. Didn't really amount to much in the end. Tony and, mm-hmm. and his ex is estranged strange wife, Valerie. You know, there was a connection down between them, which kind of happened and then didn't. And then it. things just happened. And then, nothing came of it or they were too too quickly done for a film, which took uh, very much took its time in the first hour. Um In terms of yeah. how it was shot, it was shot entirely on iPhone. I think it was an iPhone eight. So entirely oh, on an nice. iPhone. So um the old, I can't think of the guy's name. You're a uh, Soderbergh, Steven Soderbergh.
0: Sean, and well, Sean Baker originated. Uh, and Sean Baker. Yep.
1: So Baker. So there's not, that's not Baker. a bad list of names for, for our man here to go on. So in terms of how it was shot, Again, I think it looked really decent. I actually think it looks crisp. I think the audio is solid, as in the the audio people talking. There's no noticeable difference from when they're inside to outside. And it looks great. The lighting is fine. There's nothing about it which I looked at and thought, this looks bad. I really liked how the film looked. I agree that some of the shots are unnecessary. And I think some of the early tracking shots are unnecessary. I think some of them I feel yeah. a bit too indulgent. And a few of the cuts felt a bit jarring, but indulgent or not, they still worked. They still looked good, I think. So even though I could have, you know, even though it wasn't, it didn't grab me and think, "Oh, that was great," you know, I still think they looked fine. Uh, In terms of the landmarks, it was a lovely shot under the under a bridge on the shore of the River Thames. We've got Tower Bridge in the background, and I was like, I'm guessing that's some sort of like divide between the haves and the have-nots type shot. I enjoyed that. As for the cast, I think um I think they, the cast were f- for the most part fine. Anthony Mark Streeter, I agree. I think he was. I actually think he was really decent in this role. He reminded me of Paddy Considine uh, a little bit and a bit of Johnny Harris in oh. Jawbone. Uh, and that movie had and this movie, so it had a slight Jawbone feel to it. And as a side note, I loved Jawbone. It's one of my favourite films of the year. It came out, um, which is a boxing film, but uh yeah, a little bit of Johnny Harris in in his performance there so i i think he did well and i th- i think um Nathan Hamilton was fine Russell Barnett i like Russell Barnett in this as the as the, ba- the as the boss i actually preferred him in the short i think he was better in the short i think he's better positioned in that short film and i actually really like the short film
0: i think i think the dialogue in the short film is much tighter it's
1: tighter and lot of what i saw in the short film i was like Do you know what? i want to see that story like certain things and how they play, I was like, I like this. Um, I think, unfortunately, I, Emmy Happisberg as Valerie, the wife, as the Australian wife, I don't think she was particularly strong. She didn't give it well. She wasn't given much to do. I will say that, but you know, I, I wasn't entirely convinced by uh, by her performance in it. And there was, I mean, there's a few things like, like you mentioned at the beginning. We assume that Tony's a bad guy straight away. Yeah, when he we first see him trying to reconnect with his wife, and she's and again no spoilers. We assume that she's terrified and hiding from him, and then there's a so we think Tony's being stalked by someone, so we assume he's a bad guy. You know he's, he's brooding a lot, he's smoking a lot, and that opening shot. I noticed that there was a prison sign in the background, I, My Majesty's prison sign. But at the same time, it you know Tony could have just been leaning up against a fence with a prison in the background. If I hadn't have read the synopsis, yeah. I wouldn't have been entirely sure. But,
0: uh, or I mean, he could have been visiting somebody in prison. Exactly, like, there's
1: yeah. a lot. Of- so, so there was a lot. So, like, like you said, there was a lot which was given to us, but not much. That nothing particularly expanded on. There was a fairly major subplot, and I mentioned part of it earlier on in this film involving Connor, which just kind of just dissipates somewhat for me. And the ending, I, I, you know, I liked the ending scenes. But I just do wish that they had been longer. I wish we'd had less meandering in the first 45, 50 minutes and more time mm-hmm. on that ending because it didn't feel earned, like you said. Like there was like a like a one-two punch beforehand where, we're like, where I think we're meant to kind of think, oh, that's nice. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased about all this. Ah, the ending. Whereas if we'd had longer yeah. with those moments beforehand and longer at the end, I think we feel more. However, I'm not going to lie, the end scene, when I did see like the ending sequence, I was like, you know what, I'm feeling something from this. You know, there is there is something to this. I liked that. Right. So I'm not going to lie about that. Yeah. But, but, so, but the title, Ghosts, I'm not entirely sure where that comes from. It is called X-Con Redemption in other territories. So just to shout out for anyone ugh. internationally, if you, if you can't find Ghosts on Amazon Prime, it's because it's called X-Con Redemption redemption but in terms of ghost yeah i mean i thought this film i thought this was okay for a first time film shot entirely on an iphone with a potentially a very low budget i think uh this was a very decent effort um i really do honestly think that it was a decent effort uh by anthony z james there are issues with it i haven't i have a lot of issues with it but i but as we just mentioned there are i have a lot of pros as well probably put, i have more issues with it but nothing which makes me think this film was horrendous. Not at all. Yeah, I did not want to look Definitely at this film and think, oh God, this is awful. There were like a lot of it was sort of like the technical aspects of it or the story aspects. Like where are we going? What's going on? What you know, what is what's this gonna lead to? And by the end of it I didn't what? feel satisfied with how with what I got and how we got there. But as a top level so- after all of that, I thought this was a, I thought this was a you know fine debut effort.
0: So I do want to touch on three things um, that uh, I, I want to kind of expand on a little without going into spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene where uh, the dad goes, where Tony goes to Connor's apartment. Yep. And at this point, for some reason we go to a, a one single shot of the apartment. It might've been space. Maybe they couldn't move around. Maybe the lighting was bad from the other angle, but it's, there's a moment where Tony's left alone in his son's apartment and you kind of get the vibe that he's, looking like longingly remorseful that he hasn't got to know his son over the last bit of time Mm -hmm. and there it just there's so much opportunity there to really dive into that theme which is what i think ghost means is like the ghost that the father left you know he was gone Mm -hmm. for a big chunk of connor's life i don't think that's explored enough i think that is what the movie's really supposed to be about and i think it's missing and i feel like this scene is so crucial to that idea and it's a missed opportunity and then um, the, the boxing, um, gym that they go to, that's like the first time, uh, we really get any kind of sense of story. Mm-hmm. Um, in the short, that same gym is there and it's super crowded. People are boxing and it makes a lot of yeah. sense. When Tony comes in, the gym is empty and they make a couple of jokes about the business being bad, but then a guy comes in, doesn't talk to anybody and starts boxing. And then his manager, I guess, comes in. And there's no, they are the worst part of this movie and not even the performances. Like their characters make zero sense because there's no indication that they're henchmen, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, becomes apparent later, but there's a scene later. Like, so we meet them here, but then randomly we cut to them sitting on a fire escape talking about their girlfriend or something. And it's so bad. It's so out of place. And it's just like, why are we with these guys like it doesn't make this is tony's story mm-hmm. we don't need to cut to like the random bad guy scene it feels like when i mentioned earlier that this movie feels like a short film fleshed out that is a scene that really stood out to me as one of those that were like well we need to add five more yeah. minutes what can we do well, let's have the henchmen talking about their let's girlfriend have them their chips
1: yeah or fries
0: right yeah it's so bad, and it, there's and it, nothing comes of that scene. Like if if that was the moment where they were like waiting for Tony to come out or something, cool. Nothing happens from that scene. We literally cut to the scene of these guys, and we we get nothing about the actual function they serve in the story. It's literally just a cutaway scene of two guys who have no relevance. Now there are movies that do this. Uh, Richard Linklater's Slacker. We jump around from a bunch of different people, and there is no big arching plot though. The whole film is a series of vignettes. That's what the film's trying to do. You can make, you know, there there are other films that cut to random scenes like this. A lot of times we, other criticisms would be cut it out. This movie, if it wants to do that, it doesn't do that again. It's, it's just this random scene. And so that just stood out like a sore thumb. And I felt like I needed to bring those two things up. Because I do think there's good here. But I also want to, if I'm going to criticize, I want to at least give it give evidence of to why I, I have some negative opinions about it and those two scenes are are really one where i feel like missed opportunity to really sell the point of the movie and another where it just it it screams i didn't know how to fill the time with the story i just wanted to make a feature film and you know um to be fair feature films are i think defined by our academy awards here at 45 minutes or longer mm-hmm. um and this movie's like I think eighty-eight minutes, if I remember correctly. Uh, um, an
1: hour and twenty-eight, hour and a half, basically. Yeah.
0: Hour twenty-eight, yeah. So, um, so, so yeah, eighty-eight, right? Yeah. Good math. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there You go. See, sometimes math works. <laughs> um, but that—that's—that's that's it. I don't have anything like you know else that's crucial. I had some notes. I did have. Um, you mentioned the music shop or the recording studio mm-hmm. or whatever. And I had in the notes that that's 40 minutes in, and I still have no idea what we're doing in this movie. Um, You know, I had like little notes like that because it, it, again, I feel like that ending was maybe always in his mind. Like, this is how I want to end the movie and getting there. just never felt like we had a clear Mm -hmm. path of how to get there. Uh, And I do think that scene works. I think there's some really cool stuff in that sequence. Um, And again, I, I think the two main performances are pretty solid. Uh, the dialogue sequences are are definitely not to the caliber of like a tarantino but they are of the length of a tarantino mm-hmm. dialogue sequence and that's that's kind of brutal because it feels like people trying to make conversations go on longer than they need to go on and it it, it was kind of torturous for me at times with that it just seems like dude uh but to be fair this is a pet peeve of mine I don't like improv dialogue if it, if i feel like dialogue is me trying to like make a conversation last when i don't have anything to say it it irks me bad like uh notoriously i don't like rebel wilson because of that i don't often like melissa mccarthy's comedic performances because both of them are allowed to just riff and i can tell that they're riffing it does not ever feel organic it always feels like someone trying to say something when they have nothing to say and that's what i i got a lot of that in this uh the, the longer dialogue sequences in this film um, especially in that final sequence man that there's a the villain kind of monologues when he does not need to monologue and i'm just like dude mm-hmm. let's go let's go to the next thing yeah. but i think
1: with a i think with some sensible editing uh maybe shave 10 minutes off here or there 15 minutes i think maybe i don't know i i would love to hear what um anthony's there, james thinks about this but whether or not it was the idea that you know i want to make a feature film that is Feature like the standard feature film length, like ninety minutes, is kind of your standard ninety to one hundred and twenty. Your yes, standard, And maybe the idea of doing a film which was sixty five minutes, maybe didn't feel like it would, like, quote unquote, be a real feature film. I don't know, but I think with ten to fifteen minutes of um, shaving some bits off, there would still be those issues with the narrative. There would still be those issues with where are we going, what's the, what you know, what are the character motivations, and why what what's going on here. But they'd be less. You know, they, they they would have that less meandering quality. And I think that's the the uh, major thing I took from this, was there was a lot of meandering and not enough action. And by action, I don't mean fighting. I mean, let's get to the meat of the bones now. Let's, let's find out what, what, what's going on, what's driving this. Give me something to really sink my teeth into here. And I didn't feel like I got that for a lot of this film. And they say about a book, if you're not gripped in the first page or two, then you're in trouble. And the same goes for filmmaking as well, I think. If if in the first 20 minutes to half an hour, a film is, leaves you scratching your head, you've got a hell of a lot of um, making up to do in the last two thirds of the film. And there were times when I was worried about where this film was going, and it did for me redeem itself towards the end but it didn't feel yeah. as, like you said, as earned as it could have been if we cut away with some of the unnecessary shots and moments and scenes and filled them more with Tony. Because I wanted to see more of Tony and to a point as well, Connor, what Connor was going through. I wanted to feel that a little bit more fleshed out, believably, not just a few kind of like uh, search, stalky searches here and a few dust-ups there. I wanted to see like more about that. And I think, uh, had you know, had that been explored more, I think we'd have got a slightly more stronger narrative out of this. But on the flip side, again, like I say, I think it looked great. I think it sounded great. I didn't mind a score. I thought that was fine. The soundtrack, I thought that was fine. And I thought the performances, you know, you know at least 50%, of the 75% of the performances were fine. So, again, technically, yeah. I think this is a very, very decent film, very decent feature film, especially when you consider it was filmed in an iPhone 8. Uh, and obviously, the, I say limitations, but let's look at what other people have done with those, like Solarberg and Baker yeah. and now Anthony James there you can pick up a phone and make a film as long and the audio in this, like I said is great so there's a lot going for this film it's just the story and the execution of that uh how how that went along didn't do it for me that again finally that said though there was a lot I did enjoy about it and I think Anthony James next film is, is, is I mean whatever that may be I'm pretty confident it will certainly look very good and um, I'll be interested to know what he comes comes up with next because the, the cast he assembled here were, were decent. There was a good idea behind the story and it looked good. It just needed that final execution, a bit more editing, a bit more tightening up of the story and fo- more focus on the things that mattered rather than, like you say, potentially fleshing out a storyline. But as a, again, as, as a debut feature on a low budget and it's on Amazon Prime, check it out.
0: Uh, and that is out again on July 10th, the day after this podcast became available. So check it out. All right, then let's move on to uh, our next segment where we look at headlines. Uh, This is chuffed headlines. Um, Matt, why don't you go first? Uh, You got, I think the bigger headline of the week.
1: Yeah, I got one, which I woke up to uh, yesterday and I text John about it. It's it's, uh, extremely sad news. And obviously the news that the legendary composer, uh, Ennio Morricone passed away. He passed away in his hometown of Rome, age 91. I mean, what a hell of an innings that is. And yeah, yeah. I mean, Morricone, most, I mean, most famous for his collaboration with Serge Leone, And that's that score for the good, the bad and the ugly and a fistful of dollars and a, uh, and for a few more dollars. Morricone helped create the sound of spaghetti Westerns in the sixties. He worked with Tarantino, Brian De Palma, finally won an Oscar with Tarantino for the hateful eight. He did have 500 movies Never learnt to speak English or never bought into the Hollywood scene. What wow. a great man. And what I liked about Morricone is he seemed to flit between genres effortlessly. There wasn't a, with certain direct uh, composers, including the big boys like Hans Zimmer, John Williams, you can tell, it, and that's by no means a bad thing, but you know, you know when you're listening to a Williams score, you know when you're listening to a Hans Zimmer score. With Morricone, he just literally, he'd, he'd call upon instruments that I think most people thought were lost to time. And he brought to life everything he scored with these sometimes zany off-the-wall uh, compositions. And his score for Once Upon a Time in America is wonderful. And that is a lot more lush, which is a word I hate, but a lot more lush than some of his other scores, like something like The Exorcist 2, The Heretic, which is bonkers. But he did a score for a thing the Reagan's theme. That's one of my favourite musical pieces from film. A really beautiful film. But there's so much in that film which is bonkers to score. And he just, and then he did things like the Untouchables later on, which was a great, great, great score. And he's influenced everyone from Metallica to Jay Z, Gorillaz, Radiohead, Hans Zimmer. He's not a composer if he hasn't, if he did, he didn't hear Morricone. So, I mean, a hell of a legacy to leave behind. A heavyweight in Hollywood and or film and in comp- composing. And I just thought it was an intensely sad bit of news to know that obviously someone who's left such a massive mark. On film, on um, and 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 I, I will say this, and almost screenwriting because like people say, composers tell a story. People like Morricone tell a story with his compositions because they so, like I say, sometimes they were lush, sometimes they were big, sometimes they were off the wall, sometimes they were crazy, but they was worked. And very sad news to hear that yeah, Ennio Morricone passed away, aged
0: ninety one. Yep. Um... I, uh, you know what one of my biggest gaps is i have never watched the good and the bad and the ugly all the way through um i've seen all of the iconic scenes i've seen that you know the the dual sequence many <laughs> many times i've just not gone to the whole movie um it's on my my gap list as are uh of several other films that you just listed including the exorcist 2 because you you're making me watch that yep. and one day i'll actually yep. do it um, <laughs> you will i will i will I, I i own it now i just haven't watched it yet <laughs> mm-hmm. but um um, I, my, my news is a little bit um, more optimistic. I mean, to be fair, 91 is a hell of a life, yeah. right? Like that's, that's a good life. Um, I, I'm hoping to live to 91, uh, assuming that I don't get killed by the pandemic.
1: No, if I um, can leave behind 1% of what Morricone left behind, I've done well.
0: Well, I bring up the pandemic because uh, it has forced movie theaters to close, which is at the behest of you and I, because yep. that is our favorite thing to do. And, It it does suck. Um, Even if they were to open, I don't know for sure now that I'm comfortable, especially with new studies coming out saying that air conditioning might be like the worst scenario for sitting in a room full of crowded people to get the virus. Um, So drive-in movie theaters, as a result, are coming back. And that's the headline that I have. Um, A lot of uh, the big thing is Tribeca, which I've been to. I was supposed to be at this year, um, but it was canceled. Uh, But I went to the last two years in New York. um, But Tribeca has teamed up with Walmart. And, and Walmart parking lots across the country, mm-hmm. um, you can click on the article in our show notes if you want to get, uh, there's links, I think, to where they're going to tell you what stores are going to be doing this. They're going to have inflatable screens in the parking lot. And they're going to be doing drive-in movies uh, through Tribeca um, across the nation. So I don't uh, it'll most likely be retro screens. Um, and this is already happening elsewhere. There's uh, some of our local art house theaters are doing pop-up drive-in uh, theaters. We actually have a drive-in in our, in our county. It's one of the last drive-ins um, in the state and uh it's it's been running for years it, it always does a double feature two screens and then um there's a, a chain theater uh that i got an email that they were doing in movies with an inflatable screen now i want to encourage regal and amc you guys are suffering you're struggling you know if you have a parking lot you have a drive-in movie theater like <laughs> yeah. people will pay you know um it can be done and with, man, there's gotta be like an app or something so you can sync the audio. There's gotta be some easy way to do the audio. Cause that's usually, I think the biggest um, hesitation is how do you do the audio? You, a lot of times they use like an AM transmitter where you, you can you know turn your uh, car radio to this AM <laughs> station and you'll get the, the audio. Um But there's gotta be another way to do it where you don't have to have that transmitter with like with cell phone technology. There's gotta right. be a way. Um, and so I I'm just saying regal AMC hop in on this because like we have this giant mall where my movie theater, my local movie theater is that's mostly empty. They're closing at six o'clock now because of the pandemic. So literally you could close the mall at six by seven 30, start setting up for the drive in movie theater. Cause it doesn't get dark here until about eight thirty-nine. You can't show a movie when it's mm-hmm. sunny outside. So, you know, nine o'clock you're showing one or two films. You can charge a couple bucks. It, it would be great. And I know people would do it because we're all stuck inside. So why not be stuck in our car watching a movie on a big screen? Like this is a this is a good opportunity to bring back those old school driving experiences. I think it needs to happen in more places. Do, um, it's happening here. Is it happening at all? Where uh, yeah, are?
1: we I've I've firstly I've seen that Walmart are uh, opening their car park. What a great idea as well. What a great idea. What mm-hmm. a, it's almost so, so simple, but it's amazing nobody's thought about it before. I certainly have not uh, Over here, I mean, we always have. Uh, certainly, in the summer, we always have uh, movies like in the in the park, like the massive country parks, and that they erect a huge screen. People bring their blankets mm-hmm. and they sit outside in the hot in the summer evenings and watch um, classic films, whether that's Grease or um, Back to the Future, Star Wars, La La Land, and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the driving uh, experience is uh, being touted around now as an idea, and I'd absolutely love this. Like you say, how they do the sound, I don't know. I'd even be happy to sit there with um, a record, like headphones in. With it on my phone, where they have the audio on my phone, if I, in app. Right. I press play and it syncs up with the audio on the screen. I'd be happy to do that, man. But I think there's such a good yep. opportunity here. And it's, it's there's a good opportunity to get people out and about and spread goodwill. But it's also a good opportunity for goodwill to the studios or the companies doing it. Because, I mean, you're going to yep. look back after think, like, wasn't it great that Walmart opened their... Uh, car parks for us, or like you say, if AMC or Regal or over here, Odion, Cineworld decided to jump on it, so, like, it was really cool of Cineworld to just do that. I'd be thinking, oh no, I really, I dig that. It's, you know, it's a good idea. Um, so there's a lot to be gained from it, not an awful lot to lose, really, to be honest. Like I say, we've got right. the infrastructure there almost pretty much. You've got to imagine they have got their technology, so
0: it sounds like a win-win. Yeah, win. And you got empty, empty parking lots because you can't be open. Well, let's let's put cars in those parking lots. Let's, let's put make some it money happen. in the pockets. Rope it off right like and i'd pay like i i'd pay 15 20 for a carload mm-hmm. like if me and my wife and daughter went like sure yeah. you know and we can bring our own snacks so you don't have to worry about like snack bars worry about anyone chilling that.
1: behind you apart from your own family
0: you no know, uh, yeah and that's we used, when my daughter was little we went to the drive-in all the time because we could we could guilt-free bring our kid you know because she if she started crying only we had to hear her yeah. crying you know um so that was our our go-to like if we wanted to see something really bad we would go there like i saw I didn't see it for the first time. I saw it like a follow up, but I saw Avengers at the drive-in several years ago. Cause they, again, it's always a double feature. So they would do like a, a, a usually a family friendly movie first. And then the second movie would be for like, you know, the kids are asleep now. So here's a more, you know, R rated or PG 13 rated film. Um, and like right now they're doing retro screens cause there's nothing new yeah. out, but they've got uh, Casablanca and singing in the rain as a double nice. feature right now at my, my drive-in. And I'm like, ah, oh, those are two of my favorites, um, especially singing in the rain. But, uh yeah, driving movie theaters. Let's make them a norm. In fact, let's just make that the norm again. I love driving movie theaters. I mean, in Florida, it's hard because it rains a lot. Um, and so the same problem you run into issues with rain and and you know having your windows down and um or, uh the it can affect the picture. And obviously, if it's an inflatable screen, Florida wind can be pretty bad. <laughs> um, probably wouldn't hold up too well. But you know, if it's if it's a setup take down kind of thing, it's it's okay to cancel it too. You know so. Let's make them happen. Drive in theatres. Let's do it.
1: Yep, I dig that idea, mate. So if you're listening, UK um, distributors, do it. Uh, my, my second headline was, and um, only, only very small, but the Batman cinematographer, Greg Fraser, he's teased at the, the 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 tone and darkness of the movie. Uh, what he's actually said was uh, him, for, obviously for the upcoming Matt Reeves feature, The Batman, he's basically come out and said, they're not going to be going all out dark and depressing. Because they don't need to, is what he said. The graphic novels that he's read, he said they were clear enough just to read and see what was going on. They weren't inherently dark in terms of the panel. So why should the movie be any different? The It seems to be the film's going to be about the inner turmoil within Bruce Wayne. So that's where any kind of darkness will stem from or um, psychological aspect of the film. So they're not going to go full on deep and dark just because, you know, maybe they can do. So I'm, I was interested to hear that because I think a lot of people... From what they were, from, I I'd been reading anyway, was assuming that this was going to be quite a, you know, that that exact word, well, gritty, dark film, and in fact, it's not necessarily going to be, which I'm quite excited about because I don't really want to see a, a a dreary, dark, depressing film about Batman. I don't want to see the campier aspects like we saw in the '90s films, but you know, something in between, maybe. Like, I think Nolan managed to just about strike it right in terms of how we got the bat the Batman himself, but. um, I was interested by this just to know that they've basically said, look, we know we can go dark and depressing and give certain parts of the fan base what they want, but we're not going to, because we don't have to do that. We want to tell a story about this and we don't, we don't feel the need to. And the source material we are basing it on isn't, isn't framed that way necessarily. So why should we? And Mm -hmm. as for the film itself, I, I just, R. Oh, Rob Hasen. Zoe Kravitz, Catwoman, Colin Farrell as Penguin, Paul Paul Dano as Riddler. I'm so excited for Jeffrey Wright as Gordon and Andy Serkis as Alfred. What a cast that they've put together here! And it's what
0: October the first. I'm a little apprehensive.
1: Um, I'm Thanks. well, yeah. October first, 2021. They're hoping for a, a good cast doesn't yeah. mean a good film. We've been burnt many times by that. It's encouraging right. to know that these people have seen it and wanted to sign up. I am intrigued by this film to know that if it's going to be more about what's going on with Bruce Wayne, like kind of what we got in Batman Begins, those certain scenes where it's more about Bruce becoming the Batman, as long as we don't see the origin again. But yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. And I but I like the news that it's not just going to be, you know, hard to see what's going on because they want a gr- gritty, you know, dark atmosphere. I, I like the fact that they've just eschewed that and be like, no, we'll make the film we want to do regardless of what some other other certain people want. So uh, you're the Batman. You're the book man. What, what were yep. you thinking?
0: I love Nolan's trilogy. I, I hate what people have taken from the trilogy. Like, I feel like it 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 embedded this need for a darker comic book <laughs> movie. Um, And that wasn't, I don't think that was Nolan's point ever. Like Nolan was telling his take on Batman and it happens to be dark and gritty. I don't think he was like, this is what all comic book movies need to be. But some people took that as the lesson and it has not paid off for most of the films that have gone that direction, yeah, it, no, right? Especially the DCEU, yeah. Um, right, and so I love hearing them say that, that they're not trying to recreate Nolan's Batmans, because that's not what this should be. This should be its own thing. Um, even if this were still trying to do the DCEU, which my understanding, that is no longer a thing. They're not trying to make it a connected mm-hmm. universe anymore. Um, in fact, I think I saw today that they, they've they canceled uh, Birds of Prey too. Oh, wow. Um, I I feel like I saw that. I have not that's not one of my articles because I didn't have time to like really explore that, but um you know sometimes Twitter stuff could be false, so I don't know if that's accurate. But um yeah, I know, right? Uh but um I'm I'm all for it. I want I want Matt Reeves to take this and make it his own Batman story. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for another version, like I don't want Tim Burton's Batman again. I have that. I have Chris Nolan's Batman trilogy, and we have Batfleck good or bad. You know, um and of course the uh we have you know the Schumacher Batman. Again, we don't need those to be redone. They exist. We can watch them if we want to. I want Matt Reeves' Batman to be Matt Reeves the Batman. Let's and I want Robert Pattinson to do his take on the character. I hope it's not bad. I hope it's great. Um I hope I like it. And sometimes the my I like traditional. I am a fan of the comics. The same thing with I had issues with uh Phillips Joker. Um because it's not a character that I think exists in Batman. Uh I also feel like it's a ripoff off text driver. But um you know, I'm all for it. I like that I like that they're doing their their own thing and uh, go for it.
1: Yep, I I agree. And just i just googled it. Birds of Prey sequel apparently has been cancelled, some some sorts of things, because um Margot Robbie is going on to parts of the Caribbean instead. So they Warner Brothers have decided to pull the plug, whether that's true or not. But according to Google and a few sites, Birds of Prey 2 has been nixed.
0: So, yeah, so the DCEU is, I think, dead. And we're just going to, you know, we're yeah. going to get the Suicide Squad with James Gunn's take on it, which I'm excited for. Um, I mm. hope it's more fun than Ayer's. But sh- it's a good segue because I want to talk about David Ayer. David Ayer has a new movie coming out called The Tax Collector. And um, it stars, or at least co-star Shia LaBeouf, who I've become mm-hmm. a big fan of again. Um, yep. You know, we have Peanut Butter Falcon last year, Honey Boy, um, and then uh, American Honey a couple years before that. Mm-hmm. He's really shown that he's back in top of his game and he's acting really well. Um, but he's always been notoriously this kind of crazy method actor who goes maybe too far. Uh, yep. I think it's Ayer's film Fury. There's a lot of legends that came out of LaBeouf's performance in that movie. I've still not seen that, but... Um, I think he, he chipped his tooth or had a tooth removed. Um, he cut himself with a knife to, like, scar his cheek. He didn't bathe while they were filming, um, supposedly, because he wanted it to be authentic. Like, he was actually in the war. They wouldn't have been able to bathe. Um, so, in this, apparently, uh, he's got his character has this giant tattoo all over his chest. And that is real. He got this tattoo for this movie, apparently. And I just, you know... Yeah. Um, there's a level of dedication. You know, we've watched Christian Bale go above and beyond with body transformation. Um, You know, we've seen other actors obviously do that. Daniel Day-Lewis, notoriously crazy method actor. Uh, But man, LaBeouf's taking it uh, to a different level where he's like body altering in order to do the roles. Um, Hopefully they never cast him as like a Spider-Man villain where he's just like, I'm the lizard now. So, you know, (laughs) but uh, I just thought that was interesting. Um, He is a good actor, although maybe a little too dedicated to the craft.
1: I totally agree on Shia Buff's acting. I don't think his acting could have ever really been called into play. It's more, I think they were just lost under the fact that he just went on some like, a wacky few years for yeah. for whatever reason, you know. But uh, recent years, yeah, he has shown that, that crap aside, he is a fantastic actor, fantastic actor. But this is um, something else, yeah. To, to go and get a full-on chest tattoo is dedication which is admirable but i kind of um as soon as you said i was like oh wow that is that is there's method and there's that but hell look if it brings out another good performance and it's and i enjoy the film i'm not i'm probably going to forget the fact that the tattoo is real and by the time this show goes out i probably would have forgotten that he's got a tattoo in the first place but hell if that if that's what it takes to get into character then I don't know. Maybe that says also that says a lot about Shia LaBeouf that he needs to go to those lengths in order to feel like he can get into character, where other actors can just slide in and out. Is there's a discussion to be had about that as well? But um, it's an interesting story, and it's in, and it's a uh, David Ayer back in the driving seat. Twitter would have me think that he's doing Suicide Squad the air cut because he keeps going on about it. Yeah. If is. you ask me, stop, please, David, please, just please. Zach's got his Snyder Cup. There was a, a groundswell of support for that. Nobody's asking for the air for the, yeah, cut of suicide. There might be like a couple of people in their nan, but look, that film made three quarters of a billion dollars. It won an Oscar. No one wants to see it redone. There's no need. So focus on new films and getting your actors to get chest tattoos. But Shia LaBeouf, he's bonkers, but uh, is a very bloody good actor. So uh, if this is what it takes to get a good performance, then I'm all for it.
0: Yeah. Uh... I guess you know let's it doesn't hurt us i guess
1: <laughs> no um, i haven't got what tattoo to in my chest so i'm fine
0: that's our headlines for the week um let's get into what we've been consuming in terms of media uh we we digest a lot of pop culture movies tv video games um matt it looks like uh you've been wow you've gotten back into video games which is interesting uh kind of sent you down a horror uh rabbit hole it looks like
1: we have i mean it is slightly misleading but I've um, yeah, I finished the Last of Us Part One, so no spoilers for the second one. Anyone out there? Yep. Really enjoyed that. I I blasted through until dawn. Listeners will know that JB mentioned that, and I said I was going to play it. Two nights it took me to do it, not because it's necessarily a quick game, because I was but I was absolutely sucked in to the game, and I was yeah. My my outcome wasn't entirely desirable. But there was one person I I intentionally killed because I <laughs> wound me up. I was like, oh, you're, you're As soon as I get a chance, you're for it. But uh, I did try to save people, but it didn't quite work as well as I wanted it to. But really enjoyed that game. And how they do a sequel, I guess it has to be different characters, but uh, I'd like to see a sequel just because I really, really enjoyed the premise of that game and the kind of um, choose-your-own-ending almost. So um, it, uh, it led me on to finding out recommend- recommendations for other horror based games because whilst i'm still dipping my toe into gaming i still have my kind of niche i like i like my star wars games and i like horror so i like games around star wars apart from the pod racing one and i like the games around horror because i can get immersed and i was asking a friend of mine ant um ant shot first he uh because he's very much into horror and gaming as well so I said, have you got any recommendations and he said check out the evil within because it's on ps now so i haven't got a Pay for it necessarily. Mm-hmm. As Silent Hill Two, which isn't a new game, but he's 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 told me it's the greatest horror game of all time for various reasons. He said it's like the Exorcist of gaming, for how deep it goes. So I haven't actually started those, but I am going to start them this week uh, because I've been really really busy for the last week, just doing stuff, or just haven't had that. Or when the time's come, I've just thought I don't feel like sitting down and playing tonight because I know I'm going to be on it for like four hours but i'm going to start those two games tonight um in terms of what else i've been watching because i'm now a am a gamer now do you know what i mean i'm a hardcore gamer so come to me if you're gaming tips guys cuz I'll, <laughs> I'll give you i was on youtube and again i was i went to look at the until dawn cutscenes cuz i wanted to see right what happens to these people what could have happened for better or worse and that led me down this rabbit hole and i watched this youtube channel by a guy called call me kevin and i know i'm very behind the times on this He's an irish guy and I was in stitches watching this. It's this guy who basically plays games, but always picks the like, the bad, the worst choices or just does the worst things possible. And I was in absolute stitches. And for the last three nights, I've just been going through all of his videos where he'll play a game, but picks the worst choice, but everybody dies. But he's a, he's an awful human being to people in the game. And it's hilarious. It's, an, it's a combination of what he's doing the saying and those golden Irish tones from across the Irish Sea. Uh, winner so uh, if anyone out there hasn't heard of him I don't know how famous the guy is but it made me die with laughter and in terms of film um, for the back row I'm speaking about the Fellowship of the Ring this week so I sat down and watched all three and a half hours of the extended edition of that even though it's got like a half and 30 minutes of credits which is insane but I sat down and watched that this weekend I put the young Padawan to bed and put on the Fellowship of the Ring which took up the whole night and It's on the back row, so no spoilers, the fact that I love that film. And I also watched Hamilton, which I know you have as well. Yes. I had no idea about Hamilton. I'm not into Broadway or the West End. I do enjoy a theatre production. I do like the whole atmosphere of going to the theatre. haven't been for a while, but Hamilton is something much I'd heard about online, and I know it's got its fans, and it's got a massive groundswell and a huge support behind it, and it dropped on Disney Plus this week. So do you know what? I like Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm gonna check out Hamilton and um I thought it was fine. I mean I I I, I didn't actually realise it was just a Broadway production with different camera angles. I thought it was an actual film, but I thought it looked great, I thought it sounded great, I thought the songs were great, I thought the costumes were great, I thought the acting was great. I just had a big issue with the with the story and like the um how the um the American Republic how it was came to be and how they emit certain rather large factors and stuff like that. And slavery kind of we will chuck it in every now and then big deal, but you know, we don't want to bog down our story too much, but I thought it was fine. I, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I, I was interested to know what you think about it, but maybe because I'm not into the whole scene, I just saw it as this is, this is, this is good. Technically brilliant. It looked great. It sounded great and it was well acted, but i just the story didn't hook me and i was like well no it's fine maybe in a feature film it would have done but i don't know maybe it's just the presentation didn't hook me in but look i thought it was still pretty good though but this hamilton a... what did you think of that uh without meaning uh, to sort of like jump on your toes or what you've got yeah, but i know you this saw is that.
0: the uh the point of the podcast where i point out that matt is british and is a little bitter um
1: <laughs> independence day shove it up Yeah,
0: yeah um but uh i i loved it um mm-hmm. I I was most excited to see it because of David Diggs. If you've listened to of this course. podcast, or if you've listened to me, or if you follow me on social media, you know I am a huge proponent for blind spotting. I've been pushing that movie on mm-hmm. anyone who will listen to me. Um, and David Diggs gets to make blind spotting because of his success in Hamilton. He made a bunch of money, he got a lot of recognition. Um, he's been a rapper for a while, he's in a, a really awesome rap group called Clipping um which i've been listening to a lot lately but he's he's you know he's uh, in other stuff he's in he's a teacher in wonder but it's like a really small part but uh, i've been waiting to see his performance here and oh man i was not disappointed in fact i finally was able to get a group of friends to watch blind spotting because they watched hamilton and were like oh the guy who played jefferson's amazing I'm like yes he is here's something you need to watch he's um, a
1: 10 out of 10 film you've got to watch
0: i i thought this was great. Um, I did see there's apparently some talk about uh, the slave issue. Um, it is mentioned it's brought up uh, Hamilton apparently is against slavery which I thought was really interesting about that that person, this historical figure um, because he's a, a hundred years before slavery would be ended. you know like it's 19, seventeen something that the Revolutionary War is happening. And he's doing the Federalist papers and all that and he's already apparently anti-slavery which is obviously very counter to what the founding fathers who almost all own slaves. um, I guess that's the issue that people are taking that they don't really address the fact that they all own slaves. Um, I don't know if it would have fit into the framing of the story in any way that would have been sensible. Like um, I don't know that it wouldn't, but I mean, I don't know, like we don't see it's, it's moving so fast. Like, and it's a, it's a Broadway musical, but there's not, a lot of stage dressing, right? Like the most is like a table. Like there's not a whole lot of, so I don't know where like it would have made sense to just like throw slavery into it outside of like, you know, being a criticism about the founding fathers, but it's mostly historically on point. Obviously they shift and alter things. And like some figures uh, are stand-ins for other political figures that were less known, at least based on what I've read. I am not a history person. So this was one of the most, it involved history things that I've been in outside of Lincoln Spielberg's Lincoln pulled me in. I don't know why, but I was really into that movie. Uh, it's probably Daniel day Lewis and Spielberg. Cause I am, I am a sucker for Spielberg style, but um, I love the music here again. I love to be digs uh, so much. Um, mm-hmm. I cried at the, uh, the, the last song. Um, and uh, I didn't, I just listened to the slash film podcast. Uh, they reviewed Hamilton uh, this week, actually, um, which good thing we we reviewed ghost instead because the hamilton was (laughs) the big release for the week but um they were uh they've talked about the filmmaking and i didn't realize this but they actually filmed it over three days so like the wide shot is with the live audience but there are uh additional scenes like when we go on like there's moments where like the camera feels like it's on stage it was they they did extra scenes um to get those extra angles so it is more like a constructed film um than it is simply a concert film right it's yeah, not yeah. just a wide shot which i did not expect when i went into it and i was watching it kind of like what lenses are they using that they were so close and then when i heard them say that on slash film I'm like oh it makes a lot more sense that there were additional uh, scenes filmed um and honestly it makes it even more impressive and one thing that needs to be noted was this wasn't supposed to be released until like next fall like not That's in right. a couple of months like 2021 fall so either it was done and they were shelving it for a year to allow the Broadway musical to make more money. Cause I I think the assumption was once the original cast is uh, on film, people will not pay a thousand dollars for a ticket of a new cast with none of these people in it, you know Mm -hmm. Um, they'll have to either drop the price or just stop the show for a while until it gets, you know, the intrigue again. But Mm -hmm. um, I, I really, really enjoyed it. My daughter loved it. She's watched it twice. Um, I've only watched it once, but I've listened to the soundtrack. And uh, I'm a big Weird Al fan, my friend. And <laughs> yes, you are. Weird, Weird Al did a polka medley of um, Hamilton. So it's when he does the medleys, he trims, he basically condenses the whole musical into like a four-minute song. And then um, somebody took the footage from Disney Plus and uh, rapid-cut Weird Al's song to it. <laughs> so uh, they had to speed up parts, and they trim out a lot of stuff. But it's excellent because it, it, it syncs up pretty spot on, like where it looks like Weird Al is the voice of all of the actors. Um, so if you want to check that out, uh, Nerdist, I know had an article about it. I saw it on, uh, Instagram first, but, um, Nerdist does have it out. So if you want to find that, you can look that up. Um, now what else I've been, I'll, I'll stay with movies for now. Um, I just posted my review for We Are Little Zombies, mm-hmm. uh, which is a film I'd heard about. I think it was at, um, Sundance either this year or the year before, maybe South by. And, uh, I really wanted to see and I've been waiting, 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 and finally got the opportunity. It is now out, uh, it'll, it'll be out on the 10th. Um, for everyone to rent uh i really love this film um it it plays on it's i don't want to compare it to scott pilgrim because it's not an action movie like scott pilgrim but as far as the stylistic elements of scott pilgrim like the video game overlays into the film world (laughs) that is heavily a part of it Um, and there is rock music so in those two ways but there's no like martial arts fighting stuff um but it is uh it is a film that deals with some dark tones but it is so compelling it is so interesting and as for the best like child performances i can think of um it, it was quite impressive uh days of the whale is a colombian film that will be out uh on vod that i loved um it's very indie and is very much a small personal story but if you are into that kind of thing it's great and then for uh, movie club we watched the kindergarten teacher, which our episode for that dropped a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a Maggie Gyllenhaal film. It's on Netflix. Uh, really good. Um, it's a remake of an Israeli film. Um, I've still been watching Gilmore Girls, uh, but Gil- my I'm almost done with season two of Gilmore Girls. But that has led me to a new podcast that I'd known about for a while because of Doug Loves Movies. Um, it, it's called Gilmore Guys, and they uh, it's they started this podcast a few years ago, but they were they. One of the, the hosts, uh, Kevin Porter, I think is his name, had seen Gilmore Girls in its original run and is a big fan of the show. Um, I'm going to forget the other guy's name. It's, it's Demi. I'm going to mess up his last name, but um, he uh, has never seen the show. So the podcast is you know, one fan, one friend who is now watching the show for the first time and then talking episode by episode. So each episode of the podcast is roughly one episode of the show, mm-hmm. although they, I'm only three episodes of the podcast in. And they are saying there's a chance we might combine two episodes into one podcast episode, but they have not yet done that. So I don't know if that happens or not. Uh, it starts a little rough as a podcast, uh, which they, they have a disclaimer when you listen to the first episode, like, hey, uh, this is us learning to do a podcast, so give us some time. From my understanding, it becomes a very, very successful podcast later in their run, and that's even like his own kind of disclaimer, like, it takes us a little while to get our feet on the ground, but once we get going, we when we get a structure, we know what we're doing, and I think you and I can relate to that. So cool, I'm, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm getting through it. Um, it's it's fun, and it because I'm just getting through the show. It's nice hearing other people talking about the show. Um, it's only the second time I've done this. I did this with the X Files, and Camille and Johnny had a X Files Files podcast um, that I listened to when I was watching X Files for the first time. So, and then I've still been playing uh, Final Fantasy seven. Have not beat it yet. I'm very close. And then uh, I played another one of those games like Until Dawn um, called Hidden Agenda. God. I think it's made by the same people. Uh, Hidden Agenda is meant to be a multiplayer experience though and they, it utilizes an app on your phone, your actual cell phone. So each person playing, uh, I had a group of three friends I went to a friend's house. We all wore masks uh, the day. Um, even when we were at our friend's house we were still like, I thought you meant like
1: hockey masks or like um, Mike, nope. Michael nope. Myers masks.
0: <laughs> um, Get into speed so you are uh, playing a uh, you're playing a couple of characters but you're you're trying to solve a murder
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, it's really really interesting and unlike no matter what happens with until dawn um, you're gonna get to the ending yeah. and it's just gonna basically be who survived right hidden agenda you may not get the whole ending you may only get a piece of the, the puzzle solved and so you you can walk away from the game feeling unsatisfied because you didn't do a good enough job <laughs> Um one hard. of my friends that we were playing it with uh, had already beaten it by himself because it is you can play it single player, but it benefits to have like a group because there's just opportunities where it's definitely better. Um, And we got a little farther and we got more information than what he got in his playthrough. So I thought that was really cool that he's already done it once and he learned a bunch of new stuff with our playthrough. So a uh, real fun game. I'm looking forward to actually, you know, I, I don't know everything yet, uh, so I'd like to find out who the killer actually is but um it's really cool check it out it's uh pretty cheap i think i got it for 10 bucks digitally on the playstation store um and then the app's free on your your devices and you can have up to six players so
1: it sounds like i've never heard of it but actually i think you mentioned it actually before but it sounds like a lot of fun is it is it easy to utilize with the app and like the gameplay and the app is that easy to kind Mm -hmm. of get used to
0: yeah it was um for the most part you're just um like it's slow reaction stuff there's a couple of challenging things like where they have like the quick time events um one of my friends phones was being like super laggy where like he would move it and you would see on the screen it was not moving as fast as his finger um luckily the other phones were all working fine so i don't know if it was his phone or if it was his connection with the wi-fi just wasn't as strong or something or maybe because there were so many devices on it i don't know for sure what the reason was but for the most part i'd say it's super responsive and uh beneficial
1: I'll check that again. I, I love these games where there's more to it than just you in the controller you're playing through that linear narrative. I love these kind of games where you're forced into decisions which will affect the game and actually will do, though. It's not a case of and whatever you choose, you're going to get – there is a predetermined ending. Or in, the in this case, like, there may not even be an ending. I love that.
0: The multiplayer aspect, too. Um, it, there's moments where it'll say uh... – who who among your players is the most trusting right and everyone secretly votes and then so like (laughs) um i was the most trusting they all voted me for most trusting um which note the word is trusting meaning i am gullible is essentially what my friends were saying but um and then uh, so there's moments in the game where you have to make choices like in until dark right yep and for for whenever they that happens there's going to be a choice where only that person can pick all of the other choices, it's a vote, so it's by majority.
1: Oh, I see. So by putting you as the most trusting, at some point potentially you're going to be faced with a, a conundrum no of some sort, which only you can. I got it now. Do you, sorry, do you find out that they voted for you, or did they tell you?
0: You, you find out on screen. Yeah, okay. it, it, once the votes are over, it tells you who who won. There was a. I think we had we had four people, so there was twice where there was a tie, so two people could make it. But uh, whenever you do certain things in the game, you get um, control cards. Mm-hmm. And so you can take control of a decision too. So like, if you are like when there was that moment where there was two of them, they were, they had a pick and it had to be both, it had to be unanimous because of that. And, uh, one of them used their control card and just took over and made the decision. And so like, it affects the game like majorly. So it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun playing it that way. Um, Plus I hadn't been in a, like a social like environment like that in months. So it was extra fun. <laughs>
1: like we were just
0: like, Oh God, people. Yeah. It was, it was a really good time. Um, this I think hidden agenda would be an amazing, like if you're in a college dorm, amazing, like party game, like, you know, not to encourage drinking, but you could easily turn that into a drinking game too. Like you know, like every time we this happens, we'll take a shot. I think in i have uh, uh, got
1: a turn with Steve buscemi like, Hey fellow kids, and go and join some college dorms and go and play hidden agenda. <laughs> so then it doesn't matter about any other things going on, we just come to play computer games.
0: We want to play the PlayStation. Exactly.
1: But- as as everyone should do in college. Study and play PlayStation. That's all you should be doing. But that's an in- interesting bunch of media consumed this week
0: it is and that leads us to how we are saying bloody awesome because it takes hard work to be this awesome everybody and so we have to think about the things that we're doing um well the last couple of episodes where we've done this it's always been about like health um matt and i are both trying to get in shape this i think we both intentionally tried to like not just redo that again um so (laughs) matt how have you been saying bloody awesome since our last episode
1: um i've been me and someone else have been bloody awesome it's my daughter she's four 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 years old and a few months and i'm teaching her to ride her bike when she first she got her bike for her birthday um nanny and granddad bought her a bike and the first time she went in it, she hated it she screamed the street down Mm -hmm. because she couldn't get it so it's been in the um, garage for a little while but it's it's, it's come out now she gets a little helmet on little bike it's got a it's got a plush unicorn on the front, you know, pretty cool uh-huh. looking bike. I'd ride it if I was a if I was a young girl or a young boy, and basically I've been teaching her how to ride a bike, and she seems a lot more happier. She's digging it. It's still not there yet, but is enjoying the fact of being on a bike. And as you all know, JB, there's nothing more heartwarming than seeing seeing the young one just enjoying themselves, even if they're not getting what they're doing. Just seeing like they the fun and the smile and the joy that just you know learning is giving them, and just having fun and being a kid it's um it helps me stay bloody awesome because it, it whatever's going on in the world or personally seeing stuff like that it's just like that's what it's all about to me it's you know i could i could be in the worst p- place in the world but seeing that it kind of brings it all home It's like you know what yeah, this is what it's all about awesome. and you know, this this is incredible so yeah i'm teaching her to ride a bike and god damn it i will get her to ride that damn bike at some point but she's a trooper and she'll get there so yeah how i've been staying bloody awesome is to uh take my bloody awesome daughter out and um teach her some it's a life skill, I suppose. It's called riding a bike.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I've been planning for teaching. Um, I've been, uh, we we are in the middle of a pandemic, and while at the moment we're not hundred percent sure what the school year is going to look like, um, especially here in Florida where uh, our governor is in denial about the virus, uh, despite our ever-growing numbers. Um, I I've been getting ready, uh, because I teach film, and one of the obstacles mm-hmm. I ran into, um, when we were suddenly digital at the last quarter of our last school year uh was how do i teach film remotely um not all of my students have access to the same movies usually i own the movie and i can show it in my classroom we all sit together we have a movie etiquette that i teach you know the if anything the most important thing i teach my students is how to properly watch a movie um so that they can take it and tell other people how to properly watch a movie as in you know no talking get off your phone be quiet be respectful that Mm -hmm. kind of thing immersion yes and um so uh I had, I had to come up with some ideas. So like I, w- I pulled my students, I found out, you know, most of them had some streaming service. They didn't all have the same streaming service. So I would uh, actively go to each streaming service and pick movies for those services for this week so that they could watch what they were able to watch. And it was, it was a lot of work on my end. Um, it was a lot of work on their end too. Uh, so, you know, I've been trying to think of different ways, different approaches. Um, I, I usually teach uh, by genre um, because it's an interesting way to approach it. It can, I can mm-hmm. combine all elements. Um, it's much harder to do because streaming services don't always have movies of the genre that I want to teach or movies that I think are appropriate to teach. Um, so I've been getting creative. I have found this really awesome service. I won't get into because uh, I don't want to promote them. But um, one of my one of my graduates, uh, Big Tuna, in fact, um, is yeah. currently in film school. And uh, he he turned me on to this company that will uh, is I'm very uh, pleased with the selection of films that I get. And the cost is not too bad. Um, for the year and all of my students will be able to access the same films. And so that will be huge. So that was a big, uh, like check Mark on, I will be able to still teach film a full film and not just clips or whatever, but also, Mm -hmm. uh, I've been getting, you know, I want to teach, um, a more diverse selection of films. One of the, the biggest downsides, like of the, the Hollywood system, especially is it is predominantly white men that have directed a lot of the big films through history. And I don't want to neglect those films because those films, uh, helped establish the language of cinema um filmmakers of all race and and genders at this point have been inspired by those films so they still have a place in film study for sure but i also think uh expanding the voices uh, even more so to fit my students my students are a diverse group i have kids from all over i have kids uh you know with different backgrounds and so i like to be able to expose them to stories that um are are maybe of similar voices of their own or could be and uh so that's something i'm I'm trying to integrate in and find ways to uh diversify the filmography without going away from the history of it and so it's been a lot of it's it's a lot of hard work but it's a lot of fun because i get to think about film in different ways and i love organizing film so this it's like curating you know it's it's a cool process uh it's stressful and i am always i like to be flexible um I, I am, I think I might end up having to, to walk away from the genre for at least this year. And that might mean I'll never go back to the genre. I might just, you know, talk about genre, but maybe never, never structure my whole year around genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who knows? Uh, so that's been my, I've been saying bloody awesome by just uh, fine tuning my film teaching skill set. So,
1: well, two things, anything big tuna recommends is usually pretty damn good. And secondly, is there, is there a more bloody awesome teacher that's bad English than JB out there? I doubt it.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um I I hope uh, I do a good job and again, I've I've had some at the very least my goal is not to make I'd love to have like the next Martin Scorsese come through my program, but at the same time, if I just make people look at film in a uh, different way than they did when they got to me, I'm happy. You know, if they accept it as an art form and not just entertainment.
1: Yep, you get, you, that that's the beauty of it. You, you never know; it could be the kid who you think oh, they need a bit more pushing, or it could be that kid who excels. It, it, it could be anyone. You never know, and that's and uh, everyone's being taught by someone. And you are a teacher, and um, and as parents, we are teachers in our own way. Uh, but what you're doing is leaving a, a mark on these on your students, which is which is. Which is something which I know you're very proud of, and it's um, I know something you work very hard on. So there's every chance that and and if, and, and and the lessons that you instill in them, instill in them, is something they'll take with them. So uh, it's exciting, and it's always interesting to hear you talking about the methods that you put in and what you're planning for the next you know semester, the next year, whatever. That's me and my American talk, because as someone from the outside, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't think to look that deep. But it's interesting to see what is being taught. When I did film studies, it was very—it was slightly different, but um, yeah, I'm pretty sure the students will agree they've got the most bloody awesome teacher in film history.
0: Well, I, I appreciate that, man. Um, that I that's hope. that's this episode. Uh, next week we're we're gonna give we're not a hundred percent yet, mainly because of availability. Uh, the movie that I really want to review next week is Palm Springs, the uh, new Lonely Island connected film. Um, it is Andy Samberg and. I forget her name, Christie Miladi, Milles, Malus I can't remember. I'm trying to pull it up, but it's going super slow for some reason. <laughs> um, but it's it was a it debuted at Sundance, and it it's got a it's one of those uh, the new genre of Groundhog Day films, which um, isn't accurate. I guess it, we we mean time loop films, uh, which has become a genre all of a sudden. But uh, Andy Samberg, Christine Miladi, and J.K. Simmons are all on it. Uh, it's supposed to be a Hulu film the hesitation is we're not sure if Matt will have access to it or not yet because uh, there is no Hulu in England, right?
1: There is no Hulu in England, but um, I'm going to scout around the, the correct ways uh, and see if I can get my hands upon it. But if I can't, then I know Jamie's going to watch it and pr- probably to speak about it anyway. But right. we did have another choice, didn't we?
0: Yes, and that's because Netflix has a big release coming out. At least it feels like it should be a big release because of who's mm-hmm. starring in it. Um, we have The Old Guard uh, Charlize Theron and, uh, Shea Welty, um, looking at the other names. I don't recognize anybody else by name. It doesn't mean that they might recognize them, but, um, you know, I'm a big Charlize Theron fan and, uh, it looks interesting and it's a Netflix movie, you know? Um, so this is probably (laughs) what we'll end up reviewing if we can't get Palm Springs. Palm Springs is my preference. Old Guard is the follow-up. Uh, any comments on either of those?
1: No, I think um, either way, you'll hear our thoughts on either of them next week, because if we don't get to see Palm Springs, I'm sure JB will mention it in the mm. media consumption section, uh, as the same as with the old guard. If we do end up doing Palm Springs, I'm sure we'll both discuss the old guard at some point during the show anyway. So at some point you'll hear our thoughts on the films, even if it's one of us. So, But no, I'm, I'm very excited to watch Palm Springs. I've got uh, pretty high hopes for that one and the old guard any netflix film which is slightly hyped i'm intrigued by because it literally is either uh hor- horrific or actually that was really very good and hopefully yeah. it will be the the latter
0: well with that um you can find out for sure what we're going to be reviewing uh if you follow us on social media so matt where can they find us on twitter Twitter, go to at BAMP underscore podcast at B-A-M-P
1: underscore podcast on Twitter.
0: And on the old Instagram or IG, as the kids say, we're a bloody awesome movie pod. Uh, you can, of course, find us on Facebook by just searching bloody awesome movie podcast. Uh, you can find me on social media at Burke Reviews on that's Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. Uh, just search Burke Reviews. And Matt, what about you? Uh,
1: same avenues, Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox, and Facebook as well. We do use that. Uh, just search what I watch tonight and you'll see my face uh, and what I watched tonight.co.uk for all the reviews and um, audio shows out there.
0: And if you like the podcast, uh, it would help us out tremendously. If you'll take just a few moments to rate and review it. Um, and even if you don't like the podcast and you want to put a negative review, that's fine. Uh, we criticize. So it'd be unfair for us to ask you not to criticize us. Um, Good but point. Um, however you want to approach it, we would love uh, to hear from you. Feedback is great. Um, with that. We encourage you to keep watching movies
1: and stay bloody awesome.